People deluded, I'm back again. Thank you very much for tuning in, people, to another edition of the Deluded Podcast, the DG Podcast, the Really and Truly Podcast. Before I begin, make sure you've hit that follow button on whatever streaming platform you're listening to this to. If you are checked in for the first time or just in general, make sure you've got that covered. Also, make sure you're subscribed over to my YouTube channel. I apologise. I know it's bank holiday, people, and this is probably coming out an hour or so later than I usually do I've had some things to do in my personal life and you know I, I do a good job of balancing the two but sometimes they overlap so I'm better late than never football is come coming thick and fast as we are into the festive period and the end of the year slash turn of the new year I hope you all had a good Christmas and a good Boxing Day. You all ate food and whatnot I'm sobering up from it now and I'm sure a lot of you are the same um you know, as an Arsenal fan, I'm not going to sit here and lie. We, you know, a Christmas miracle happened. We beat Chelsea three goals to one. We should have probably scored a fourth. Chelsea will say if that penalty went in. And to be fair, I backed them to actually make it 3-3 if that penalty goes in with five minutes added on time. But the facts are, you can't deal with if spots and whatnot. We won. And it's been a crazy sort of couple of days, really. And again, you know, as I make this podcast, we have to preview some games to come. Like I said, the games are coming thick and fast. I know Arsenal have Brighton. Um, I think, you know, um, who else are playing? I think Chelsea have been do- do- drawn a very short hand in that they're playing today on the Monday as well, having played on the Saturday. Games are coming thick and fast. We know TV TV rights are a thing when it comes to the festive period, but the players are going to have to get through them. Apologies, as you can see, it's still it's still early, people, and I'm yawning. It's really unprofessional of me on this channel, but yeah, man, let's get into it. Brighton obviously drew two two with West Ham. Now I watched that game. Obvious reasons we play Brighton on Tuesday. Last couple of times to put it nicely, when we have played Brighton, we haven't got any luck of the draw. So I was watching this game from a tactical point of view. As you know, Graham Potter is a good tactician. He's put his rubber stamped, rubber stamped apologies, his blueprint on that team. You know, they've got Lampity, they've got Guy, they've got Propar, they've got people that are good players and can cause trouble. Neil Mupay, he found the back of the net after going on a bit of a barren run. You know, they've got Dan Byrne, who's made that left-back spot his own. When I think of them, I think of set pieces. And like you saw, it wasn't from a headed effort, but eventually Lewis Dunk scored from a set piece. And I think with that five of Lewis Dunk's seven goals in the Premier League have been scored from from corners people while all seven have been netted from a set piece situation so again prior to the Chelsea game um you know Arsenal had let themselves down in set pieces you look at the games against Burnley you look at Everton you know you look at se- several games we've let ourselves down from set pieces in in recent weeks people you know midweek against Manchester City um so we're going to need to be at our best but it was a good game for the neutrals, man. Both teams kind of nicked goals. You know, Ben Johnson, 20-year-old fullback, um, hasn't had too many opportunities at West Ham, but he scored a goal for West Ham. That's his first career goal at this level, forgive me if I'm wrong. I feel both teams were pretty sloppy for the goals they conceded, and I think 2-2 is just about the right result. Um, on the topic of Ben Johnson, he is the youngest player to score in the Premier League for a David Moyes side since April 2014 when a certain Adnan Yanazai did so against Newcastle for Manchester United. I'm sure you all saw Sheffield United versus Everton or Everton versus Sheffield United. Calvert-Lewin, Dominic Calvert-Lewin couldn't score against his former team but courtesy of a late strike from Sigurdsson they nicked three points and you know it's it's hard to see a way back for Sheffield United. I know they'll keep fighting until the end. I know they've applauded their manager and said regardless he'll remain 
but it's difficult to see anything but a return to the championship. I don't think the players are good enough. Like, with all due respect, you look around that Sheffield United squad, not too many of those players can get moves, in my humble opinion. Some of them can find clubs, but I think, you know, they'll really be struggling, really, really and truly. Versus if Burnley go down a couple of their... I don't think Burnley's got a better squad, but a couple of their players are going to other Premier League teams. Definitely if Arsenal don't beat the drop, you know, you'd imagine Martinelli, Saka, to be fair, I'd want them as part of the championship rebuild, but you'd imagine there'd be offers for them. And on that topic as, as well, um, I look at people like Brewster, hasn't had too many opportunities at Sheffield United, probably they're, they're them sort of man, when they go down, they get more of a looking, I'm not too sure. But yeah, a point, um, well, yeah, it doesn't matter how much Sheffield United were in the game. They ultimately failed. Like they ultimately failed. You know they didn't get three points, and you'd you'd imagine we're getting to that point where you kind of just have to more or less assume, or it's a given that Sheffield United are going down. In my humble opinion. So yeah, man, mixed luck for for for, for in the last, in the two games we've spoken about. Brighton and West Ham take a point. Sheffield United, it's all doom and gloom. Arsenal three goals to one now. I can talk about tactics until I'm blue in the face, but at the same time, I always talk about mentality, fight, desire, hunger, you know, having a collective goal that you're working on all week and being af being afraid of being that player who lets it down. I'm, I, I saw fullbacks afraid to let the team down, defenders, you know, midfielders, strikers, the keeper, everybody, pardon me, everybody stood up to be counted, everybody. And again, I don't want to say this is a turnaround and this can spark our season because, you know, beating United for the first time in 2000, uh, since 2006 at their place should have been it, you know. We've been down this, this road and this ifs and buts, I can't deal with that. The facts are, it's a great win, definitely for the fans. It's a big game. I would have taken a point before it. And on the basis of things, let's give credit, isolated to that 90 minutes, we were superb. We dominated. But this is just... A one bright spark in what's been a rainy, you know, the one bright, bright, bright day in what's been a rainy season. You know, I don't want to look back in May and just talk about the fact of we beat Man United and we beat Chelsea at home. We'll get a couple of these results. You know, we beat Liverpool in the cup. We beat United at their place. We've beat Chelsea. But that means nothing for me. What means anything for me is trying to qualify for Europe, not the Champions League now because we can't get that. But, you know, trying to qualify for Europe in some capacity because we know the finances, trying to salvage some of the season just based pride like let's be honest there's around 20 or so games left to play you know I don't want to just accept defeat and just write off the season you know let's have some credibility let's try and get some wins let's try and finish as high as we can and just put some credibility in it you know it's as simple as that we're still chase we're still in the negative our goal difference is still there and whatnot I can't complain you know I can't really be too happy and um, we still let ourselves down because again we spoke about Tammy Abraham's late goals this time last year when we played them he scored two late goals against West Ham and he obviously scored a late goal and I believe from that you know, from a from we let a goal in from across eventually. You know, Joe Willett's done well to track back, but he hasn't done well enough on Cal Dominic um on Callum Hudson Adoy and his poor marking of Tammy Abraham. But apart from that, I think we were superb. You know, I saw bravery in general. Everyone was brave. People wanted to hold on to the ball. People wanted to create situations. And what you got from that is, you know, play the kids. The kids will set you free. Obviously, if you throw Martinelli, Saka, Smith Rowe, as great as they are, and these other players. Uh, ten games, they for ten games they will have some shaky moments, but these young players are fearless. These young players are putting in credibility, and we found the perfect blend. You know, Martinelli from start to finish, a fawn in Chelsea side. Kieran Tierney, you know, a fawn in Chelsea side. Xhaka and Bellerin, if it went the wrong way, we're looking at them and saying, why are they starting? And we can still have those question marks, but 
isolated to those 90 minutes, you can't get on to them. You know, they did well. Um, everybody did well, you know, and it's hard to pick at the man of the match. You know, Leno's had a lot of criticism. He saved the penalty. You know, I think Holden and, Gar and, and Marie did well, apart from when Marie gave away a penalty and his bacon was saved by Leno. You know, Tierney was superb. Bellerin had a better game and actually looked like a captain with the captain's armband. Xhaka played well. I think El Nene had a op he struggled in the first opening period and he didn't play amazing, but he recovered. Lacazette deserved his goal because he worked very hard and the front line was superb. And, you know, for me, Saka, that's you on the right wing right now. Martinelli, that's you on the left. I'm personally... You know, I don't want Lacazette to be dropped, but unfortunately, he might have to to bring in a Bamian through the middle. Maybe go back with putting Lacazette behind them. Smith Rowe again, he didn't set the world alight. Should have scored, but some neat touches and again depressing. Just but just basic pressing from Smith Rowe and offering from the ball, and just from Martinelli shooting and trying to get in behind. You know, you can see why you shouldn't go with certain experienced players who are letting you down, Arteta. Um, so I think we we were superb. Not to take anything away from Arsenal, but Chelsea. You know, struggling to make five-yard passes. You know, I think Pulisic was good, but Pulisic and Werner were not helping their fullbacks. Go and look at the build-up to the Reese James penalty incident. Werner swapped wings with Pulisic and he's not tracking back. You know, Tierney's got acres of space. I don't think their wingers helped anybody and they were quite poor. The midfield looked hungover. I didn't really see Mason Mount. To be fair, Mason Mount started the counter-attack for their goal. Um, Kante was poor, in my opinion. And he's still up there for interceptions and tackles. But I think he was he was hungover and drunk. And um, with all due respect to Kante, because I know he's a devout Muslim. I'm not trying to poke fun at that. But I just think the whole team looked like they enjoyed Christmas Day, Christmas dinner way too much. They were lethargic. They were slow. Couldn't believe what I've seen from a Chelsea perspective. They're struggling to make five-yard passes. And considering, you know, they've improved defensively, you know, Know, they look decent going forward. They score a lot of goals. I don't didn't see none of that. And I think, again, people can have criticisms of Lampard, but I think it's the players because what I saw from those players was a bit of complacency and they were way too lethargic people and nothing went right for them, really and truly. They played like a team that just assumed they were going to capitalise on Arsenal's poor form, just turn up and smack them. And Lampard was urging against complacency. And I do think the players have to take responsibility because they're hoofing it long. I don't think Lampard's told them to do any of that. I'm not saying Lampard shouldn't face criticism, but that one there is for Chelsea fans. But for me, it's a good win. You know, it was a good performance in a good way. Hard to pick out who was the best or who stood out in a good way because everybody played well. You just got it. Just means nothing if you don't do this against Brighton. If you can't win against Brighton, it's one step forward and two steps back. Like I said, this looks good in isolation. It looks good and whatnot. Jacques ended his social media exodus and is back talking about some people. We're talking. We like to do it with performances, and I think that actually speaks to mentality of certain players because you could have, you know, if you didn't score or we didn't win, I don't think you're coming out and talking today. You should face the music regardless. That's just how I feel personally, but I'm not going to lie. You know, it doesn't do much for us in terms of climbing up the table, but we've stopped the rut of sorts. Hopefully this can, you know, that monkey of not having three points is off our back. Hopefully this can be something we can build upon people. Will it be? It's something completely different, but we'll see. With that, Arsenal have now won each of their last 10 home Premier League matches on Boxing Day, the second best run in the competition after Manchester United won 12 in a row between 1997 and 2016. Sadly for Chelsea fans, Jorginho, who Arteta wanted to sign, who I don't know why he's trying to do that little skip thing Bruno Fernandes is doing, but he tried. Um, 
Jorginho is the first player to miss two Premier League penalties in a single season since Frank Lampard in 2013-14. Timo Werner has now, and again, many of us, including us Arsenal fans, expected, yo, Werner's not scoring many goals. He's playing us. That means he's going to get a hat-trick. Fortunately for Arsenal, he has now failed to score in his last 10 games in all comps. This is his longest drought of 12 games between, you know, this is his longest drought, people. You'd have to go back to March um, March and September 2016, where that was dotted around spells at Stuttgart and RB Leipzig. Again, I get it. He's playing out wide. I mean... I don't really buy that one there because on one hand, I agree. You know, you it's a bit like Aubameyang. You play strikers through the middle, they're more likely to score goals, really and truly. You know, I don't mind Werner out wide because he's not the most blessed technically. You know, he's not someone that's going to really hold the ball up well from wide areas. He's not near our goal. So I get that. But on the second hand, all I heard from Chelsea fans and the rhetoric coming out of Chelsea is he's adaptable. You can play Tammy through the middle. Werner can play on the left and you've got options. It only becomes of relevance when man are not scoring. It's like a Bamian. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of fans, you would have liked to have played a Bamian through the middle. But since he's not scoring, more is made of him on the left hand, left side, left hand side. I think Werner should be playing through the middle. Um, I think Tammy was quite isolated in that game and highlights the lack of creativity. But you know, again, may maybe putting him back through the middle, just going back to basics, letting him get a run of form, and then experimenting again with him out wide could be a thing. Maybe dropping him. You know, I think he was. He you can't he, you know he can't hide himself with it. He can't he can't blame himself. He can't hide. He deserved to be subbed. But there was a number of Chelsea players I thought could have been subbed in that game. And I think it's telling that Werner was bought for 30, 40 million. Havertz is bought for close to 90 million or so. And neither are excelling. You know, players have to take responsibility, but also the gaffer. Granite Xhaka has now scored three direct free kick goals for Arsenal in the Premier League. Um, that's only surpassed by Robin Van Persie with five, Alexis Sanchez also with five and Thierry Henry with 12. I believe Granite Xhaka has taken 23 kicks for Arsenal people and he scored three of them. So, And we all know Granite Xhaka for, for all his criticism. He doesn't do basic goals. So great, great way of scoring, my guy. You know, Lacazette's been playing well for me in the last few games and he's now Arsenal's top goal scorer in all competitions, people. Um, you know, this was our this was this was our first penalty against first penalty goal against Chelsea in the Premier League since May twenty since May two thousand and seven with Gilberto Silva. Um, you know, um, Alexis Alex Alexandra Lacazette is like I said Arsenal's top goal scorer in the Premier League with four goals last night. Well. Boxing Day was his first goal since September. So, again, it highlights our struggling to score. And, again, courtesy of two dead ball scenarios, we took advantage, people, really and truly. So, we're still scoring dead goal, um, dead piece goals, goals from set plays and dead pieces. We're still score conceding got late goals and goals from wide areas. But who cares? We got the three points, people. And, again, like I said... I can't imagine Arsenal players had too much of a of a Christmas. You know, I imagine they trained at some point in Christmas. Yeah, they probably got a little dinner and a little spending, a little dinner at the club, and they got to spend time with their families and things. But proper Christmas, I don't think they did. Um, I hope they got the Boxing Day off. Well, I say Boxing Day, you know what I mean, the Sunday off after after it. And I hope they enjoyed it. I hope they, you know, got to overindulge slightly between Saturday night. Sunday whole day but like I said on, on, on my live streams and my reviews and these sort of things for me people like I said enjoy it your hard work that you you know your manager doubled down all on that Chelsea game you know he picked a brave lineup you know all of you lot were brave it was a good day you know you saw the fruits of your labor sort of thing what you've been working on all week paid off and that's what I mean about luck people that's why I didn't buy when Arteta's speaking about luck because I think you make your own luck 
like you saw, when you work hard and there's a game plan and everyone desires, you get little penalties like Reese James. You know, you get little incidences where Jorginho misses. You get little incidences where Xhaka bangs a free kick. And saying that, Martinelli and Lacazette both had chances to add to that scoreline. But for me, you know, it's good in isolation. Like I said, enjoy Saturday night, all a Sunday. But come Monday, it's irrelevant. You know, build up, take the good things from it, build upon it. Take the negatives, actually, the goal you've conceded is the only negative. And then, you know, it's irrelevant, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, if you want to look back, look back in May. What you need to see is Brighton and Graham Potter. They should still be thinking Arsenal are, 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 are smooth fry and Arsenal are light. You know, you could the way we've been playing, man can just say that's a blip. Arsenal are older win. Chelsea have been playing shaky. So Graham Potter, we're going to go to their place and they're not going to be on a Mickey Mouse thing. Especially after, you know, taking the lead twice in that game against West Ham. Forgive me if I'm wrong. So we're going to need to be at the top of our game, really and truly. You know, if we can use this as a building block, then anything's possible. But that's that word if. And too too often they're not that word ifs and buts ain't been in favour of Arsenal. So we'll have to see people. Martinelli, now I'm happy there was no William. I'm not happy as to why he missed out. Apparently, you know, him, Gabriel, David Luiz is precautionary over COVID. But I don't think William deserves to play. You know, he's not good enough. He's shy. He's timid. He's just not playing well. He's just not a good footballer. And Martinelli on his worst of days shows that he's better because he's aggressive with it. Now, Aggressive don't mean you're smacking players up. That means, you know, he's always trying to run in behind. He's always trying to take on his man. He's always trying to link up plays. Always trying to have shots. You know, he put himself around people. You know, he had twice as many shots in... He had twice as many shots on target in that game as William for the whole season, you know, which was two, you know. Martinelli had more shots than any other player in that game, people. He's also up there with Joe Willock and, and Kante for tackles in that game, people. He's someone that gets it, you know. If we were to look at both of them and we say, which one is the Premier League winner? Which one has played however many times for their country in Brazil? And who is the novice? You're probably looking at William as the novice. In the same way, we're saying Saka looks like the 32-year-old Premier League winner that's joined us on the free transfer or the £72 million man. Pepe was dropped and I think that was pretty damning and tells you where we are. And he's in big trouble because... Again, it comes down... I don't think the club want to make more losses because we're already losing on the sporting front and losing and we're not getting much money, you know. There's nothing wrong with cutting your losses if Pepe's a dud, but I don't think you should take 20 million. Um, if you could get 30, why not? You know, if they if, if Pepe was bought for 30, 40, it'd be decent, and I think they will take 30, 40. But again, you're taking a, you know, 30, 40 million, you're taking a hit on him because they're not going to pay you 30 million up front for Pepe. You've got to take a hit. Then you've probably got to bring in another winger, in my opinion, because you're still lacking out there. Um, and you've got Bakayo Saka, who's been given the number seven, he's playing better than you. Now, I want to see a reaction from Pepe. I don't think he's ever going to justify his, 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 his expectations and his transfer fee but it is what it is we just need to build upon it and it's the January transfer window this week so I want to see the club pull their fingers out and that's the I'm not going to say I'm not happy we we, we didn't win I mean we won because I am happy but I think you, you lot know Arsenal fans I personally think man only want to talk about things and talk about the Cronkays at length and the structural problems when we lose because when we've won man are saying I'm negative and all of these things when two things can be true I can be ecstatic that we beat Chelsea and we stopped the run and purely from a sporting point just considering the Premier League it's a big three points for Arsenal this season but isolated you know are we going to do the business you know because we are going to drop more points this season we are going to lose again let's be realistic you know hopefully there's a run of form but we are going to drop more points is this squad good enough you have to say no you know big up holding big up Marie big up Xhaka big up Bellerin big up um El Nene you know with Lacazette as well with respect you know to them they played well 
But do you know what you're going to get next game from some of these players? Bear man are hot and cold in this Arsenal team. There's only certain man that whether we've won, lost or drawn, I've seen it. Because we won against... We won against... um. And Chelsea, and obviously it was a lovely goal from Xhaka, penalty from Lacazette, good move that led to Saka's fluky goal. But the same way I saw Tierney and Saka standing up to be counted when we were losing, when we was drawing against Leeds and things were going iffy, is the same way I've seen them play against Chelsea in this victory. You know, only cup you can only really put your hat on a couple of players out of this twenty-five man squad. Like for me personally. You know, and don't get it twisted. Once again, big character from Arsenal because they were missing the core of their side. Gabriel, Partey and Aubameyang, all three would have been talking points had this gone negative. I won't say Maitland-Niles is part of the core, but just to give credit to Bellerin, you lot know us would be talking about Cedric and Bellerin. But for me, you know, if I was a new manager, if I was Arsenal, Arsenal owner, I'd say there's only there's only a couple of untouchables in that team. I'd say whatever manager or whatever way it goes, you've got to look to build your team or integrate the likes of Bakayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli. He played no part, but Gabriel, the centre half, um, you know, Partey without without fail, you know. So what's that? Saka, Martinelli, Gabriel, Partey. You know, Aubameyang's not scoring, but you've tied him down to a big deal and he has scored a lot of goals for this club. So I'd say Aubameyang, they're the only ones really off the top of my head. You can move with Leno, but again, for me, big up Leno for the saves. But if our team was in the way a lot of Arsenal fans want it to be, I'm not going to sit here and cap to you lot people. I'd be looking at, can we get a better keeper than Leno? Because, you know, I do think his distribution and his shot stopping and all them thing there were great against Chelsea. And he had sometimes we've lost 3-4-0 and he's been the man of the match. I don't think he's a bad keeper. I just feel could we upgrade a bit and for the price tag maybe not if we had a better defence probably but from what I want to see with my keeper being like vocal being a calming influence I don't think Leno's that and that's just my personal opinion I think Leno's too eccentric for me I don't really like these sweeper keepers excited I like the old I'm not saying Martinez is better than him or he's better than Martinez and all these things but the, you know Martinez is more he knows he's a keeper I guarantee you know you, the Leno's the Edison's um, the Allisons, well, to be fair, you know, Allison and Edison are quality keepers, so I'll I'll put up with it. But I guarantee, if you ask these players if they want to play in midfield, they'll say yeah. You know, they'll probably fancy themselves. Martinez is probably just stick it to his thing. So yeah, but you know, I'd move with Leno. They're they're the only five I would say. You know, there's other players I like in the team. You know, Leno. But he's what I'd describe as hot and cold. You know, just under that bracket of untouchables, if I was the manager or whatever, players that I would look to work with, I'd be open to letting Pepe go. But, you know, I wouldn't mind Pep using Pepe. Maitland-Niles, you know, I wouldn't mind using him. Do you get it, people? Um, Holding, I wouldn't mind using him, you know. Um, there's, there's certain players of that ilk. But not too many are, 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 are quality like that within the Arsenal team. So we'll have to see what happens, people. Arsenal failed to shoot typically, but you know, in that game we had eight shot we had eight we have scored eight goals apparently, people, from our last 14 on target against Chelsea. And we were in double figures for, for shots, people. I think at half time we had like eight shots, two on target. I could be wrong. Um Bakayo Saka covers a lot of distance and he covered the most distance of any player in that game, people. Eleven point five kilometer kilometers. So again, he has got special talent, he's got love lovely technical quality. But what's gonna take him far for me is the factor of one, you know. He doesn't, he, you know, he covers a lot of ground. He works hard. You know, he's got a good attitude. And I think he's very intelligent. I know he's book smart and he's got a whole heap of GCSEs and he would have had a great future in whatever he did. But 
you know, the ability to take on information and retain it and implement it is something that young players don't get, don't do too often. I think he, you can give him instructions and he does it properly. Too many players might do it for 30 seconds and then you see them creep into old habits. That's why I think he's going to end good. And ultimately, you know, um, you know, we still haven't we still haven't lost on Boxing Day for a significant period of time. But saying that, you know, we're still chasing clean sheets. And this is our longest run without a clean sheet at home in the league since 1988, people. Now, moving away from that, we spent a lot of time on Arsenal. Apologies, people. Man United drew 2-2 with Leicester, I believe. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I should normally have the score lines in front of me. But I did watch that game, you know, Martial... Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford, Harvey Barnes, Jamie Vardy, all talking points in that game. Um, on that, though, I would like to say I saw maturity from Leicester. You know, I'm seeing Telemans and that telling people to calm down before half time, stop trying to pour forward, something I admire. Obviously, you've got a big up Cavani. He seems to ha be having a hand in a lot of goals, people. Marcus Rashford, cheeky finish from him as well. I do think Martial, although, you know, he did his thing, I do think he's got to be a bit more clinical in front of goal and with his decision-making because some of what I was seeing was some nonsense. But saying that, in Martial's defence, after going six goal games without a goal or an assist, he has scored twice and has provided four assists in his last three matches for Manchester United people. Bruno Fernandes is in my FBL team and it was 11 million well spent in that game because Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved in over half of Manchester United's Premier League goals since his debut scoring 17 and assisting a, a further 13 crazy whatever you've got to say about him and whatnot i know a lot of people get onto him for being wasteful and i do think he could retain the ball and give it away less but you know there's method to his madness you know you can't you can't disagree with it you know the, this man it feels like bruno fernandez has been part of manchester united for a couple of years and what it's only going to touch a year next next month. Well, fair enough, this week or something like that. You know, you get it. So he's been a great signing. And to adapt to the way he's done since last January, you've got to give Bruno Fernandes his props. And I would love a player, whatever you say about him, you know, he's able, whether you call it, you know, let's, let's not beat around the bush. Sometimes he has scored or assisted and it's masked poor performances. But, you know, you need a man like, not that I'm praising that, you need a man who can just stat pad, we don't have that at Arsenal, you know. We don't have someone that can stat pad, just grab a goal and assist. Or, you know, he might be bombing it for 85 minutes, just clip a young ball over the top and someone does a little thing with it. You know, Cavani again, he's got the FA charge looming over him and things like that. But, you know, many people thought he was going to be like the, the Falcao's and the... You know, there's there's been many a striker United have signed that ain't banged. But I think Cavani's doing all right. And like I said in my last, last um, podcast... If I'm Marcus Rashford, Martial, Mason Greenwood, any of these under-23 strikers at Man United or even some of the more experienced peers, even some of the goal-scoring midfielders, you know, if you fail, if Cavani leaves this team in the next two years, which he probably will at 33, and you haven't taken in some tips on his movement and his finishing, you've wasted your time. You've got a quad. You know, some of you, man, have had Ibrahimovic and now Cavani and even Falcao, to be fair, in his poor form. You've got to take advantage of these things, man. You know, because when I think of Cavani, quality player, you know, seasoned vet and the movement, you know, when you're, when, when you, you know, it doesn't matter about age, when you know where to be in the box, you know to put yourself around. Like he knows what to do. He knows the areas to put balls in the box as shown by his assist and, and who to pick out. And his movement, people, you can't talk about Cavani and not speak about movement. He's a quality player. I don't know how much they're paying him for wages, you know, and it could have went wrong. Um, 
I haven't seen Cavani have too many bad games for Man United. Saying that, there was one game he started off the back of impressing and I think he was clipped at half-time or something. He was quite poor. I can't remember it. United fans know better than me. You know, Cavani's been directly involved in five in five Premier League goals as a substitute this season, two more than any other player, people. Two assists and three goals. You know, big up Jamie Vardy for breaking hearts. Big up Harvey Barnes as well, people. Um, Marcus Rashford is the third youngest player to reach 50 Premier League goals for Manchester United, people. You know, he's in good company because, you know, Wayne Rooney, he's been doing it since 16, you know, is ahead of him. And you've also got Cristiano Ronaldo, who is a hallmark of football. So if you're going to concede and be bronze place to anyone, it should be them really and truly. There's no shame in them to be in there. Now, courtesy of a Patrick Bamford penalty, Leeds won 1-0 against Burnley. There was numerous chances, I felt, for Burnley to get back in the game. I do think the ref was being a bit soft against Burnley. There was one incident I saw, is it Chris Wood? Chris Wood going absolutely, was it Chris Wood or, or Ashley Barnes? In fact, it was Barnes. He was getting quite vexed at the ref because there was nothing in the foul, really. You know, Burnley should feel hard done by that they didn't get nothing out of the game. You know, big up the key, Leeds' is keeper, Millier, Millier. Um, big boy keeper, you know, and big three points for Leeds. You know, only three players have scored more goals than Patrick Bamford after 15 games of a Premier League season for a newly promoted side. You've got Alan Shearer with 12, you've got Andy Cole with 15 and you've got Kevin Phillips with 13. You know, again, similar to the Rashford point I made earlier, if you're going to concede a place to someone, it should be these three because, again, you know, you all know who Alan Shearer is, you know, you all know who Andy Cole is, you know, Kevin Phillips... You know, scoring goals until he hung up his boots, you know. Pardon me, someone I used to, I was a right back, but someone I used to look at footage a lot, people, of Kevin Phillips, of how to score, how to be in the right areas and whatnot. Um, Leeds have now won 20 points in the Premier League this season. No newly promoted side has ever been um, relegated, having won as many as 20 from their opening 15 of a Premier League campaign. So, you know. They all say 40 points is, is the holy grail. I We all know Leeds are staying up. They've given a good account of themselves and they're firmly going to remain where that club belong, which is the Premier League. Now, Liverpool, you know, cracking goal from Mane. But again, Liverpool dropping stupid points. Shout out to West Brom, you know, they, they fought, they remained pending, they hung on and you know what, you, that's what you're going to get with Sam Allardyce. They're in a relegation fight. This is a big point for them and I don't know who they've got but I know after that they've got Arsenal and you know, if you can get these players playing a bit more confident, being harder to beat, you've got someone who is an Arsenal villain in, in Sam Allardyce, Big Sam. I'm keen to see what happens at West Brom but, and I don't want to discredit West Brom and Jalbian for this game because they deserve their point but, you all saw Liverpool had whole heap of chances. Mane had whole heap of chances. They had whole heap of chances. You don't finish your, your bake. You don't finish your dinner. You know, someone else is going to is gonna clean up people. You don't put your chances and bad goals, as I meant to say. This is what happens, people. Liverpool have failed to win six of their 15 Premier League games this season, winning nine, drawing five and losing one, which is as many as they did in the entirety of last season, um, where they won 32, drew, drew three and only lost three, you know. Big Sam, Sam Allardyce, he seems to know how to play Liverpool at Anfield because he is unbeaten in each of his last four games at Anfield, drawing three and winning one, each coming while in charge at a different club. You know, he's done so at Sunderland, Palace, um, Everton and now West Brom. Fair play. Big stats from Big Sam. You know, this is the first time since December 2016 that Liverpool have dropped points from a winning position at Anfield against a side starting the day in a relegation zone since they drew 2-2 against West Ham. Five of the last six goals for Sam Allardyce's teams um, have... Um, 
sorry people, five of the last six goals Sam, Al- Sam Allardyce's teams have scored at Anfield in the Premier League have been scored in the final 20 minutes. And I don't know, I believe they should give that to Ajayi. It was a good header, but it do- did look like it come off Allison, so it might be credited as an Allison on goal. I'm not too sure West Brom or any of the people connected with West Brom will give a crap though, because it's a good point against a team they probably expected it to be damage limitation and to be wiped the floor with. Now, you know, Wolves versus Spurs was a good game for me. What a, I've been talking about Pedro Neto since 2018 when he was before he went Lazio and that people baller. You know, when he gets a bit more maturity, going to be crazy. I think Adama Traore struggled. You know, I think Wolves were cold. You know, Pedro Neto are forming that form, forming that side. You know, Fabio Silva had a chance to score. I did think Wolves had a lot of possession and I, did, I think people mistake possession for having chances. At times, I didn't feel they tried to test Loris enough really saying that though you've got to give credit to Spurs you know Endombele scored and he had a very good game in my opinion you know tied out towards the end but bossed it and there was one incident you know better than his goal would have been the assist that driving run from Endombele people trying to take him down didn't work out did he pick out Son I could be wrong he picked out someone but they didn't do well enough Harry Kane was anonymous in that game as well you know it is what it is, and it's it's two points dropped from for Spurs. They're in a winning position, and you could see the game. You knew, uh, you could see Wolves were gonna score. You know, I didn't understand the patient to the the patient build up from wide areas because against the Jose side, they're able to combat that. But you could you felt there was a goal because I just think Spurs the game ran away from them really. You know, it was a it was a good game to watch for the neutrals, and um, really and truly big up size for grabbing the late goal to cancel out. Um, a late equaliser and cancel out Endombele. You know, looking at Spurs, they've dropped nine points in 2020-21 with goals conceded in the last 10 minutes of matches, the most of any side in the Premier League. And I got a lot of stick for saying, I think Spurs, what lets them down is them defensively. They don't close out games and they make games 10 times harder than it needs to be. As shown against West Ham, as shown against Everton, as shown in the victory against West Brom and Brighton and like shown today. And this is why games shouldn't cloud judgment. You need to look at what is happening, people. Um, only Chelsea have scored um, have scored more Premier League goals in the first minute of a match than Spurs. Chelsea are on 12, Tottenham are on 11. Now, Newcastle won, lost 2-0 apologies to Manchester City, um, courtesy of a goal from Ferran Torres, who was the second to strike before that Gundogan made them take the lead. With that, Manchester City have kept their 13th clean sheet of the campaign, more than any other side within the top five European leagues this season. Raheem Sterling has now registered more assists in 21 appearances in all competitions this season than he managed in 52 games last season. And he scored a lot of goals last season, he just didn't assist. This season, he's got six assists already he had five last season so he's ever growing and getting involved and improving you know when you look at it he's been involved in 150 goals for under Pep Guardiola Raheem Sterling has now 100 has now now has 150 goal involvements in all competitions under Pep Guardiola becoming the first player to reach that total under the Spaniard for Manchester City 96 goals 54 assists and it tells you firmly that we already know Raheem Sterling is becoming an even more complete player every day that passes you know Crystal Palace was smacked up 3-0 against Aston Villa, 10 men Aston Villa, wonderful goal from, is it, Anwar Ghazi, I can't remember, sandwiched in between some other strikes, you know, and Crystal Palace continued their woeful form and whatnot. Fulham and Southampton drew nil-nil, Southampton, I'm sure they'll be annoyed, Fulham is a good point, but it doesn't do too much, um, 
so yeah people i don't think i'm missing out any premier league games and if i am I, they just haven't simply done it for me or i haven't <laughs> been watching them i've only commenting on games that i've taken in um let's so that with that i guess we've got to actually just preview the games to come today tomorrow and with it's the way it's going there might even be games on wednesday now you've got two teams who didn't get three points over the weekend you've got third place third place leicester traveling to london to play crystal palace people um you know, we'll have to see what happens. As you lot know, in this exact fixture last season, Leicester won 2-0. So we'll have to see what happens. Leicester have won their last two games, Premier League games in London. They beat Spurs 2-0 and they beat us 1-0 this season, people. Crystal, Crystal, Crystal Palace haven't won their final league game in any of their last eight calendar years. Leicester have lost their final league game in two of the last three calendar years. So I wonder what happens there. Chelsea have to get points, so there's going to be more pressure on Frank Lampard. They play today at 5.30 against an informed Aston Villa, who are actually, you know, they're tied on points, but on goal difference, they're ahead, I, I assume. You know, 7th place Aston Villa travel to London to play 8th place Chelsea people, and Chelsea have to get back to winning ways, really and truly. They've had some negative results sandwiched in between a couple of victories. Um you know, Aston Villa haven't kept a clean sheet in any of their last 19 Premier League away games against Chelsea. Chelsea have won 10 of their last 11 Premier League games against Aston Villa. Um, you know, so we'll have to we'll have to see people. Aston Villa have won two of their three Premier League games in London this season. So we'll have to see. And they did lose to West Ham in the capital, forgive me if I'm wrong. You've got Everton against Manchester City. That's going to be a big game today at 8 o'clock, people. Everton, who, you know, got away with it against Sheffield United, have won just one of their last 14 Premier League games against Manchester City. Manchester City have won each of their last five against Everton, netting at least twice. And it's their longest ever winning run against the Toffees in the top flight, people. Um, so make of that what you will. You know, and then tomorrow from 6pm, you've got Brighton versus Arsenal. Arsenal travel to Brighton, which is bound to be an iffy one and one that fills me with nerve, nerves. 15th place Brighton, I mean 15th place Arsenal plays 16th place Brighton. We're on 17 points, they're on 13. If we win, we're on 20 points and that can take us as high as 12, depend, 12th, depending on what happens in the games for Leeds, what happens in the games for Newcastle, Palace and also those, well, just Brighton really and truly. So again, you get two wins on the trot against West Brom and Brighton. Again, you could be looking at 25 points and that could, again, assuming other things happen, that could put you into the top half of the table. But if some bots don't win football matches, it's down for the Arsenal players to... Um, apply themselves and like I said Brighton's one of those games when I look at Brighton away Southampton and there's a couple of others they're the ones that fill me with a lot of nerves I'm shook of playing Brighton you know we took the lead against them last time last year before we completely capitulated and this was the game that ended Gwendozi's career here and really and truly um you know, Brighton won home and away games against Arsenal last season. They've never won three in a row against Arsenal in the league competition. Um, you know, the Ar Arsenal are winless in their in their in their last five visits um, to face the Seagulls, losing four and drawing one. Um, so yeah, man, they should have they should be they should be a hundred percent hundred percent confident in playing Arsenal. But don't let it breed too overconfidence. Southampton against West Ham. That's going to be a good game, people. Southampton have lost their last two Premier League home matches against West Ham. West Ham have won each of their last five Premier League games against Southampton, people. So that's going to be an, a, a, an interesting one. West Brom and Albion against Leeds. You know, West Brom, big point, should give them some confidence against um, 
um, beating well, getting points off Liverpool to play Leeds, and again, let Leeds from what I remember correctly, they don't travel too well. So going to the Hawthorns, it can go either way. Saying that Leeds are unbeaten in their last three league meetings with West Brom. West Brom have lost just one of their last six home games against Leeds. Um, so let's see how that one pans out. You've also got Burnley against Sheffield United. Again, Sheffield United need to get three points to put it nicely. You've also got Manchester United welcoming Wolves to Old Trafford. And again, that's going to be an interesting one. Manchester United haven't lost any of their last nine home league games against Wolves people. Um, since returning to the Premier League in 2018, Wolves are unbeaten in all four league meetings with Manchester United. However, they've conceded the first goal in three of these. So... Again, we'll see what happens. You've got Tottenham Hotspur versus Fulham. Scott Parker, assuming he's over the COVID stuff, gets to return to Spurs. You know, it's the Ryan Sessegnon derby. It's a shame that he can play no parties out there in Germany. I expect Spurs to get to winning ways. But again, Fulham, been a bit resurgent. been a bit of fight, grit and determination. Um, you know, Spurs have won 10 of their last 11 Premier League home games against Fulham, losing the other one 1-0 at White Hart Lane in 2013. Tottenham are unbeaten in the last seven Premier League derbies, people. They last lost 2-1 to Chelsea in February. Fulham have lost their last 13 Premier League London derbies. So, boy, we can't really look beyond it. But again, football matches aren't won on paper, people. Wednesday, you've obviously got Newcastle against Liverpool. Liverpool can't afford to keep dropping points. Newcastle are winless in their last seven Premier League games against Liverpool. Liverpool are looking to win three consecutive top flight games against Newcastle for the first time. Newcastle are unbeaten in their last four Premier League home matches against reigning champions. That should give them some confidence. So there's a bag of games to be played, people. A bag of games because, you know, from Monday to Wednesday, we've got games. And then obviously, you know, we've got a next get match week, you know, match week 17. We're not, we'll talk about that on, on Friday where we review it. But there's, you know, just, just a quick spoiler. You've got Man United versus Villa on the Friday. You've got Everton against West Ham. There's some gazy games, people. And they're coming. the games are coming thick and fast. There's no rest for the wicked. But I've enjoyed these 40-odd minutes speaking with you guys, people. Apologies for this coming out slightly more delayed. But, um... Yeah, man, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to add, really and truly. Nothing more to add. I just this is this podcast. We're just talking about what's happened in the Premier League, really and truly, people. I don't think there's anything else. I know Messi's spoken about wanting to play in the in 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 America one day, and that could be a commercial opportunity. That could be something for him. You know, I guess he I guess he wants one big European move. Then he'll probably go to America and probably end his career playing with Neil Oldsboys in his country. Apparently, Manchester United have pulled out of the running to sign David Alaba. Apparently, they're concerned about the costs of the deal for a 28-year-old left-back. Apparently, Arsenal have offered Mesut Ozil to Juventus and offered to subsidise some of his wages. Apparently, Arsenal and Manchester City, as well as Bayern Munich, are looking to sign Tariq Lampety. Um... Arsenal will only move if Bellerin opts to head back to his boyhood club, Barcelona. I will take that. Um, I would take that. I'd love to take that. Apparently, Wolves have inquired about 23-year-old Serbian striker Luka Jovic on loan. His professionalism has been called into question, but, you know, 
Wolves again, I guess, with the injury to Jimenez and Fabio Silva still learning the tricks and trades of the game. That could be something. Apparently, I'm not too sure. Apparently, Phil Foden is growing increasingly frustrated at his lack of regular game time at Manchester City. He's also been linked with a move to Real Madrid. Apparently, Tottenham are considering a deal to re-sign Christian Eriksen after he left. To be fair, I know Spurs fans don't want to admit it, but low-key... I think they miss him. I don't think it's that deep like they're going to cry over him, but I think they miss him. I think they like that creative sort of thing there. I know Ndombele is a creative man. I know all of these things, but I, I think they miss him, but I don't think they should look to resign him unless it's on loan, similar to Bale. So we have to see what happens there. Apparently, um, there's a new contract on the table for Declan Rice to kind of ward off Chelsea. Apparently, Gigi Wijnaldum will decide on Liverpool's contract extension in the next few days. And obviously, this week, he'll be allowed to agree a free transfer elsewhere. He's been linked with Barcelona. And for me, I understand. That's what I'm looking at from a Liverpool point of view. Because looking at it on one hand, at Liverpool, why would you leave? You know, things are getting better. You know, you've won. A, you've been to a Champions League final, then you won one, went one better. You narrowly missed out on the league, then you went one better. And you probably will get a second league title. But football works in cycles and I do have to wonder, I said this about Jurgen Klopp, I know he signed a new deal, but how long is he going to stay? You know, Does he want a rest? Does he want a new challenge? If I'm Mohamed, if I'm Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Gigi Wijnaldum, you know, even Van Dijk to a slight degree, um, you know, I'm not saying these players need to leave or want to leave or should leave. But again, none of these guys grew up as Liverpool fans. Let's get that right. They can enjoy it, but it's a job and, you know. If you get a second league title, having won a Champions League in a Premier League at the ages these lot are at, one must wonder. Not all of them are going to leave, but one must wonder when are they going to make the move. Like Gigi Wijnaldum, you know, he's come. He initially went to Newcastle. He's been a good serviceman for Liverpool. He's had some great memories there. He's won some titles. Does he want to explore something else because a career is short? You know, does he want to say I can? I played for Barcelona and a great Liverpool side as well as other teams. So I, I think there's a lot to consider. You've seen Salah talk about well. Not exactly rule out moving, but not exactly play up to it. And again, nobody's going to move for Salah in the sense of you're going to need to pay 100 million. And I'm not too sure people are going to do that. So Liverpool fans and club have nothing to worry about. But one does wonder when is there a new... I guess how many of these players want to experience something new, really? Like Mane, when do you want to try something new? Again, if they want to stay here forever, that's great. But I do think footballers' careers are short because at some level, and it's, and it's happened with a lot of players, you know, yeah, they're the kings today, but they're going to get to an age where they're not going to be levels anymore. They're going to get marginalised roles. They're going to get a pat on the back. And Liverpool, like every club and every fans, will move on. So my point being, these players, they've got to do what they need to do. They need to do what they want to do. What I would say is don't... Listen, if, you ha if you're happy at Liverpool, great, but don't allow that to make you complacent. If you have a slight inkling to move and try something new, you should do it. Because when it's all said and done, you don't want to have regrets in your career sort of thing, whether it, the move works out or not. Personally, I'd want to stay at Liverpool if I played for Liverpool. There's no reason to leave. But, you know, there, there's also every reason to want to try something new, really and truly. Um so we'll see what happens. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I I meant to end the podcast, but that made for an interesting talking point. So yeah. It's been a lovely podcast, people. I'll be back again on Friday reviewing the games that have happened midweek and previewing the games to come. And then after that we'll be back again, man. You know, I hope you all had a good festive period. I hope you all have, you know, the next time we speak will be it'll be New Year's Day, wouldn't it? Well, in fact, no, it will be it will be it will be 2021. So I'd like to say thank you very much, 
people for rocking with me throughout 2020 and before that. You lot have helped me have a great year. I've ended the year with 30,000 subscribers. Um, I've ended the year with turning a lot of L's into W's. I've Well, to be fair, I lost my wallet yesterday. So that's an L. That's 50 quid gone. Hopefully, I'd, I, I really hope some single mother found that and can put that on put that away. Had to disable all my, all my cards and that. Um, but generally, you know, 30,000 subscribers, you know, I've been, you know, we've been we've been growing and developing. I'm in a much better headspace. I'm in a better place spiritually, mentally, financially. You know, I can't complain. It's been a fantastic 2020 and I, I hope to keep and, and actually what this podcast started in 2020, I think. So I hope to keep, you know, better in this, better in the YouTube, just better in myself in all different disciplines. And I hope the rest for you lot. And once again, thank you for your consistent support throughout the year. So I'd like to bless you lot, you know, a happy new year and obviously festive greetings. And we'll speak again in the new year. I love saying that like it's not even a couple of days, but it's been a fantastic 40 odd minutes, but I'm going to end it now. Please make sure you've hit the follow button. Please make sure you're following me across all socials. Links are in the description. People, DG. God bless, I'm out.